Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. I just returned from Argentina, saw the Lord do some amazing things. Thank you for sending me with your prayers, sending me with your finances. So I want to take just a few minutes and kind of share with you about the trip. And it was a very, it was a short trip compared to most uh, mission trips. However, we did a lot in those four or five days that we were ministering. We had three major evangelistic crusades. We had four sessions with pastors and leaders, and then we preached in two churches. And so we were just going full speed. Uh, it was it was a great time. Let's just show you a few pictures here. I went with Steve Fado, who is, some of you know him, he's a great man of God in our area, and our community. Pull up the first image, Jared, if it'll, if it'll fire. I want to just show you, not the video, yeah, just, just an image. I think that's a video. Well, I guess you can go ahead and, and uh, well, there's, a, there's a, an image. So this is the, the evening crusade that we uh, were a part of and that they set up in advance. And what happens is, uh, people hear about the Lord doing things and, and they advertise this. And if you need a miracle, if you need salvation, if you need healing, come. And literally, they just set up all this sound equipment and videos and things in the middle of a soccer field. And so uh, we were just out in the middle of a field. And praise God, we had perfect weather every night. Every night it didn't rain. It's so funny that we, we had the spelling of the city wrong. We thought we were in Panera, but it's Panerai. And so we've been praying over Panera, so there wasn't a drop of rain in any Panera bread in the whole country because we were praying over Panera, and we got there, and it was Panerai. And aren't you glad God knows our heart, not just the words that we're saying, Meshach? Praise God. But uh, so there's our interpreter. Uh, uh, his name is David. He was a great man of God. Look at the next uh, slide here. This is a tremendous testimony. After the salvation call, we would we would uh, give folks a chance to receive healing, and the Lord did some mighty, mighty things, mighty, mighty miracles. And I think we've got a couple of videos to potentially show you. This is a young girl, maybe I don't know, 13, 14 years old, and she's she's reading from a distance for the first time. She had very poor vision. Uh, one of the translators said she even had uh, some dyslexia, where her words would would cross. And so she, I want you to see the progression on her face as she realizes that she is healed. Go to the next slide. So she's just overwhelmed now with emotion. There's David telling Brother Steve that what has happened. And she, you can't, uh, you know, there's no reason for her to, to fake this or make this up or especially cry in front of 15,000 people. There were estimated 15,000 people at the crusade. And there she is again, just such a sweet, you can see the tears from right here. God is just touching her. She's standing back at the podium and she's reading and realizing what is happening. And God totally healed her. Can you, I think maybe there's one more of her. Uh, there she is again. Just such a sweet, sweet uh, testimony. There was a there was a man who came to the crusade, and and I saw an older gentleman coming up on the stage with a cane, and he was waving his cane and shouting something in Spanish, and I didn't know what it was, and and he was moving his knee, and I could tell that the Lord had touched him in, in some kind of powerful way. So we're at a church on Sunday. And this, this older gentleman comes up to me and, and our translator, and he happened to go to the church that I was speaking at. And he said he was out in the crowd, and, and Pastor Steve began to say, someone's knee is being healed. God is healing someone's knee. And all of a sudden, he heard this loud popping noise, 
And he got a little bit afraid, started looking around. This is a true testimony. He thought somebody was shooting at somebody or something was going on. And he looked down, and it's his knee popping and making crickling sounds and, and coming back together. And he realized what was happening. And so he's up on the stage waving his cane and moving his knee and, and doing the hokey pokey, you know, put your right leg in. And it was so, so incredible. We, we would have never have known that story. But we were in the church that he went to. They invited us to come and preach at his church, and he came up and was sharing that story. And you could tell he was just so excited what the Lord was doing. No Cain. Come on, can I have a praise, God? Amen. So let's look at the next slide. So this is, this. I took this picture strategically because this is the altar call for salvation. And it wasn't like a little fluffy whipped cream message, like give your life to Jesus and you're going to get a Lamborghini next week, you know, and all your problems are going to go away. It was honestly in love, but it was a very direct, very gospel-centered message, and people just responded literally by the hundreds. Is it a video next or is it? Is it okay, let's, let's watch this video. Just a short clip. And I'm going to pray for everyone who raised their hand. And you're going to be born again tonight. You're going to be forgiven tonight. God will become your father tonight. And you will be the child of God. So I'm going to ask everyone to raise their hand. Así que voy a preguntarle a cada uno de esos que levantó su mano. In order for me to pray for you. En orden para orar por usted. So you can receive that tonight. Así usted puede recibir esto precioso en esta noche. I'm going to simply ask that you come out from where you're standing. Yo quiero pedirle, si usted se atreve a venir hasta aquí adelante, de donde usted está, venga, venga, ahora mismo, rápido, rápido, rápido. Solo los que han levantado su mano. Venga ya, aquí adelante. Everyone who raised their hand. Cada uno de aquellos que han levantado su mano. This is your night to be They just kept coming, coming, and coming. I remember standing there thinking, flying 12 hours, spending the money, raising the money, being away from my family for this time. The sacrifice was all worth it to see the harvest. And you all were a part of that, a major part. We did this three nights, and it was a different crowd every night. I stood on the stage and watched, and it wasn't the same people. And then these are ushers who would go in the yellow and blue. They would go through the crowd. We took about six, seven minutes. The band played a song. They got everybody's name and contact information. Then they distributed it to all the churches that were there representing, and they were to follow up with them and help them in their walk with the Lord. So I just wanted you to see this. Just go to the next clip, Jared. I think this is him leading down the prayer. And you can hear them repeating it. And it's so powerful. I confess I'm a sinner. Confieso, soy un pecador. Importante, say it out loud. I confess I'm a sinner. Dígalo de nuevo. Confieso que soy un pecador. Save me tonight. Salva me esta noche. I want to be born again. Quiero nacer de nuevo. 
I receive your free gift of salvation. Recibo este milagro maravilloso de la salvación. Take over my life, Jesus. Toma control de mi vida, Jesús. Amen. All right, you can just go to the Forgive next me one. I think that's it. What what uh, was awesome to see was just the hunger for the people uh, that they just were hungry for the Lord. There was this little kid that that they brought in, and he had looked like he had cerebral palsy. Maybe he was I don't know three four years old, and um, th this mom was helping this little kid walk up these steps. There was about eight steps to get to the platform. You could see how raised it was, and I was thinking, why doesn't she just carry this little kid up the platform? Well, it was the first time he had ever walked up steps. So I would let my kid walk too. <laughs> she said they, they brought him in and he was sitting on the ground and he couldn't stand up by himself. They could hold his arms and he, his knees and he could kind of sort of stand up, but he had never walked. And then she let him, and he, now he was wobbling because he was learning. He had never walked before. His brain was having to learn how to walk. But this was a sweet little three-year-old kid and they showed the buggy. They put the little buggy up on stage. had the special little straps and special things to help keep him, you know, in the deal. And the little kid was just, he walked right up the steps. Jesus is alive, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is alive. There's a man scheduled for surgery. And in, in South America, men don't show emotion. Carol can attest to that. She grew up in Argentina. Uh, they have a heavy German influence, and Germans just aren't traditionally very emotional. And so he was in his 40s, and, and men in their 40s and Latin America, they, they just don't show emotion. They don't cry like a baby like me every week. They're, they're more manly and more tough. But he was scheduled for surgery, and he had a tumor in his back, and he said he could feel it. And he was bending over, and he was raising his arms and doing things he could have not done before. And he was just weeping in the presence of the Lord. Jesus is alive, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you for supporting that. Thank you for praying. Churches were strengthened, and the pastors were strengthened, and we're believing for tremendous fruit in Argentina. Amen. Let's pray. Let's get into our word this morning. And if you need a miracle today, you came to the right place. If you need an encounter with God, you came to the right place because Jesus is here. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your word. I pray, 2 Thessalonians 3, that your word has free reign this morning. There's no hindrances. Lord, I pray, Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, that the number of disciples would increase and multiply as a result of your word being preached. I'm so thankful, Jeremiah 1.12, that you watch over your word to perform it. And we'll give you thanks for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're going to continue our series today on devoted prayer. Not going to take much time to review. So let me encourage you, jump online, get our podcast. We've had some tremendous... Uh, things the Lord has shared to us concerning prayer, how the New Testament began with a devotion to prayer. There are tremendous rewards when we pray, and so I want to get you to check out those podcasts. And today we're going to pick back up in the Lord's Prayer. How many of you have heard the Lord's Prayer, and how many of you have read the Lord's Prayer? Most of us in the room. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I was flying back from Argentina, and I was trying to find a movie to watch. And I mean, you know, you got to be careful what movies you're watching and expose yourself to. And and I didn't, obviously, I didn't want to, you know, internally not watch something that I didn't need to watch, but I didn't want to blow my witness on the airplane, you know, backside. You're a pastor, and you're watching that. And so I was flipping through all the movies, trying to find something that wouldn't have any 
you know, uh, bad things in it and that just to, to keep, you know, you, you understand all that. And I, I found a war movie and I thought, well, this will be fine. There'll be some, you know, shooting and violence and that kind of thing, but at least it's nothing sexual or anything like that. So I began to watch this war movie and uh, it was it was a good, pretty good movie. I hadn't ever seen it before. And it was all about the Japanese and Germany in, in invading countries and basically trying to take over the world in World War II. That's the reason for World War II. How many of you studied or heard or know a little bit about World War II. Basically, we had the Germans who wanted to, uh, they had an unsatiable, unquenchable thirst for power, and we had the Japanese who were following suit, trying to take over the world. We had one kingdom trying to pose its will on another kingdom. We had one kingdom trying to take over another nation. And that's why, honestly, because we won the war in America, that's why we're American today. We could be speaking German, we could be speaking Japanese, but the American kingdom, the American culture, we were able to prevail in the war, and that's why we have the freedom we have today. I met a man yesterday, I was in Nashville, at a minister's meeting, and I met a man from Japan. He was Japanese, and he had a really nice Bible on his desk. And I asked him, I said, that's a beautiful Bible. Who gave you that? And it had a verse on it that, that caught my attention. And he said, my pastor gave me this Bible. And then he said something that shocked me. He said, it's the very first Bible that I've ever owned. And this man was in his 40s. And I said, tell me this story. I said, because he's at a minister's training meeting. And I said, tell me this story. And he said, well, I grew up in Japan until I was in my 20s and then moved here to the States lived in the States for about 20 years, and then had a radical encounter with Jesus. Got radically saved and born again, filled with the Spirit. And then he began to go into an Assemblies of God church, and he didn't have a Bible. And his pastor gave him a Bible. And that brought back to my attention some of our missionaries that serve in Japan. Japan is technically classified as an unreached people group because of the percentage of people who believe in relationship to the population. And so if the Japanese kingdom had overthrown our kingdom, many of us would probably not have a Bible. Many of us would not care about godly things. We would not care about spiritual things. But because kingdoms affect culture, would you say that with me? Kingdoms affect culture. Kingdoms affect reality. And so we're going to talk this morning about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God and how it can affect your culture and your reality. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 6. You'll see it on the screen. And I want us to read the Lord's Prayer together. We're going to read it out loud, just like you did back in Sunday school. And the media guy is going to track with us, keep up with us. So let's get ready and read it together. You can open your Bibles. You can read it on the screen. Ready? Read. Therefore, pray this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You guys did so good. Come on, give, your, give yourself a hand this morning. For Cooked on phonics worked for me. And so we're going we're gonna to jump in this morning, and we're going to talk about that little phrase there. The second phrase is this, your kingdom come, your will be done in the earth, on the earth, as it is in heaven. We think about 
kingdoms and we think about the kingdom of God. I don't have time this morning to develop everything there is about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. But I want you to understand that the kingdom refers to a king. You cannot have a kingdom without a king. And the word kingdom, dom, comes from dominion. So literally the word kingdom means a place where the king has authority and the place where the king has dominion. And I just want to tell you this morning that our king, King Jesus, is here. And he is the king of, of, of our life and he's the king of my life. Hopefully, hopefully he's the king of your life. And we're going to talk about his kingdom and how it can, can come to bear in our life and we can see the kingdom of God in our day. Now, I, I just want to give you an objective this morning. I don't want to hide it from you. I want to lay it out. I want to state it very clearly from the very beginning. The whole objective of this sermon, because there's so many ways you could go, the whole objective this morning is just to let you know that our prayers affect the kingdom of God. Our prayers affect the will of God. Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. And then he goes on to say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked about praise and worship and how to give honor to God. And then he begins to ask. He begins to go into the things of, of praying and the petitions. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. But so many people are concerned with my will and my kingdom. Have you ever met anyone who was concerned with thy, thy will and thy kingdom instead of the Lord's will and the Lord's kingdom? We all have. And even at times in our own life, we find that uh, to be the truth. So we're going we're gonna to reflect this morning on the prayer. What does it mean when it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. The first thing that comes to mind in this passage is that our Heavenly Father, number one, our Heavenly Father wants us to ask. Our Heavenly Father wants us to ask. Jesus said, this is how you pray. You start with praise, and then you bring your petitions, and you ask, and then you end with praise. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and power forever. So prayer is really pretty simple. Begin with praise, then move into your petitions, your asking, and then end and close it with Praise. Our Heavenly Father wants you to ask. Let me just say this to you. Don't back off from asking God for things. How many of you would be honest and say that at, at times you have felt guilty for asking the Lord for things or you've struggled really praying or, you know, I'm having to ask for something again. I'll never forget when I was new, a new employee at the job that I work at. It's a very challenging job. There's a lot of things to learn and a lot of moving pieces. And, and I felt like every day I was having to ask a question. Every single day I was having to knock on the boss's door and say, hey, how do I do this? What about this? But he never got tired of me asking because a mistake on my part could be very bad for the company. So he never got tired of me coming and asking. And I remember over and over again, and I remember the first week that went by, and I didn't have to ask a single question. I thought, I'm finally getting this. I'm finally getting the hang of it. But I was never rebuked for asking. When you bring your request and petitions to the Lord, God is not mad at you. As a matter of fact, when Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, ask, ask, bring your petitions to the Lord. It's kind of like a young man and a young woman who are ready to get married and, and they're seeking the Lord and they're what we might call pre-engaged where they're kind of talking about marriage and the future and the young lady is ready to go. The young lady is ready, but she's waiting on the young man to pop the question. 
She's waiting on the young man to ask. She's thinking about her home and planning and thinking about the wedding, but she's not going to just advance to the wedding until a young man, you know, does it right, gets on one knee and, and says, will you marry me? She's waiting for the ask. And then she says, yes. And how many know that young man knew the will of the bride before he asked? Before you spend $2,000 on an engagement ring that's probably non-refundable, you should know the will of the person that you're about to ask. Anybody know anybody who popped the question and they said no? It doesn't happen much. But, you know, you, you got a good understanding of what the will is of the bride when you ask. And so you're asking a question and you really already know that it's, it's her will. That's the way our Father in heaven is. He has so much goodness for us, so much blessing, so much joy and peace to give us. And he's waiting on us to ask. I'll never forget as a kid growing up, I had an Aunt Ruthie. Anybody in the house have an Aunt Ruthie? Aunt Ruthie was a little scary to a little kid, but she was a sweet lady, just a little intimidating, talking to you and her teeth would fall out. I mean, you know, everybody has an Aunt Ruthie. Some of you are the Aunt Ruthie, praise God. But I'll never forget Aunt Ruthie. She would always tell me and my brother, she loved her nieces and nephews, and she would always tell my brother, and she would say, boys, come over here, and if you come and give me a hug, I'll give you a quarter. I mean, love can be bought. Love can be bought. And so me and my brother would run over. We would give her a hug. We would receive the quarter, put it in our pocket, and then we would disappear, never to be seen again. We were gone. And so Aunt Ruthie, we, we knew, we developed this habit she had this pattern. Every time we'd see Aunt Ruthie, boys, come here and give me a hug. I can see her now putting her teeth in. Boys, come here and give me a hug, and I'll give you a quarter. And, and we could have, Pastor Michael, we could have, we could have came to Aunt Ruthie and went immediately to her and gave her a hug, and she would have said, well, here's your quarter. But we never did that. We always waited for the ask. We always waited for her to call us to that and ask us to that. And that's the way the Lord is. He's waiting for you to ask, waiting for you to bring your petitions. And then we're going to talk more about what do those look like as we follow God. Look at this passage in Matthew 7. This is a really interesting passage. There are several things it could mean. So I'm not going to cover everything this could mean today, but I want to just share a few things with you. Matthew 7 and verse 7, it says, Keep on asking. Now, the reason it says keep on asking is because in the original Greek language, it's in the continuous tense, meaning we are to continue to ask God and continue to ask God. And this is what I thought about. I said, Lord, help me understand this. Does this mean I have to keep asking you over and over and over again for the same thing? I'm not saying if it does or doesn't. You can weigh that before the Lord. Sometimes you may ask the Lord and receive and not have to ask again. But sometimes you may feel like you have to continue to ask. And ask the Lord, said, help me understand this. He said, it's not limit one coupon per customer. It's not limit one coupon per customer. Meaning God doesn't just give you a coupon and say, Susan, here's your coupon. You get one request from me this week. You get one request from me this hour. You get one request from me this year. God says, no, every time you have a problem, every time you have a situation, keep on asking. I'm the provider. I want my kingdom to come to bear in your life. Keep bringing your request to the Lord. Notice this here, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking at the door and it will be opened to you. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. 
Now he begins to give an illustration that we can all understand. For you parents, in verse 9, he says, Even you parents, how many of your children would ask for a loaf of bread and you give them a stone? Or verse 10, if they ask for a fish, would you give them a snake? Of course not. So I love verse 11. I love Matthew 7, 11. Anytime you wonder if God loves you, anytime you wonder if God cares for you, take a pit stop by the 7-Eleven. Anybody ever went to the 7-Eleven? Take a pit stop by Matthew 7, 11, and here's what it says. So even as sinful people know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more? Say that with me. Ready? How much more? Let that settle in your heart. How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? So Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, and he says, ask. What are you asking God for? Are you asking God for a prodigal son or daughter to come back home and come to the Lord? Are you asking God for a financial promotion to help your family have a better future? Maybe you've got a sickness in your body and you're asking the Lord to heal you like we saw on the screen. Maybe there's a family situation, there's dysfunction or disunity in your family. Maybe you're asking the Lord for that. Continue to bring your request before the Lord. Now, number two, I want you to see the second progression that I see in this passage, and it's this. Number two, when we ask, we need to ask according to God's will. When we ask, we need to ask according to His will, which is His word. Now, I used to think growing up that this scripture we'll look at in Psalm 37, 4, I used to think this meant that if I loved God and I was a good Christian and I was behaving and tithing and going to church and doing all the things good Christians do, then God would just give me everything that my little hearts desired. How you know I found out that was not the case? I found out that's not how it works. But look at this verse, and I want to help you understand this meaning. Look at Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord. Another passage says, delight yourself in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Now, I want you to see this. When you are delighting in God... He will help you lay down your desires. He will help you lay down your will. And He will replace your desires with His desires. There are desires in my heart that did not originate with me. The desire to lead a great ministry in our community and reach the unreached and the lost, as Pastor Michael and Candy do on a weekly basis, the desire to do that did not originate with them. So as, as we get closer to God, we lay down our desires and then we pick up the desires of the Lord. Do you notice Jesus, before he said, give us, he said, give thy will. In the Lord's prayer, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then he moved into, give us our daily bread, lead us not into temptation, deliver us. It's always thy will and thy kingdom, God, before it's my will and my kingdom. But we have to believe God's word. We have to believe the Word of God. Matthew chapter 10, it says, according to thy will. And when we focus on God, He changes our desires. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have desires in your heart now that were not there a few years ago? And the closer you get to God, the more He is giving you those desires. I was 16 years old, and I was going to get my driver's license. Don't you think every 16-year-old needs to get a driver's license? I think it should be like 35 now that I'm older, or th at least 30, because then I could get it, praise God. But I was getting my driver's license, and the attendant had me do the eye exam. 
And I looked down in the little viewfinder thing, and I don't know how they do it now, but she said, can you read this? And I said, I, I don't see anything in there. She said, what do you mean you don't see anything? She came around, looked in the viewfinder, and she said, I see it. It's right there. And so I came back over and looked in the viewfinder, and I didn't see anything. My mother's like, what's going on here? So she kicks me out of the way, and you know how moms do. She kicks me out of the way. She looks in there. She says, I see it. What are you talking about? And I look again, and I don't see anything. I have, very, I have poor vision in my left eye, and so I don't use it. It's just kind of there. and So it's why sometimes I bump into walls and... <laughs> trip over things and you know seriously could you open that door because it's a little toasty could you open that door yeah a little little toasty so I don't I don't really you know it's I don't I'm, my brain is not used to using it so she this this uh this driver's eye exam was left and right it wasn't both it was left eye and then right eye so they were testing my left eye and I had no idea that it was there. I kept saying, guys, I don't see anything. And there was no, I couldn't see anything. And so the, the, the test was there all the time. The writing was there all the time. But I didn't have the vision and the eyes to see it. The will of God is there for you all the time. But we don't have the spiritual eyes to discern it and to see what God wants us to see. This morning through this message, I want you to see with spiritual eyes what God is asking us and what God wants us to see. You know, the, the, one of the famous scriptures in the Bible is, you have not because you ask not. Have you all heard that before? I messed up, Miss Carol, and I taught that to my children. <laughs> we were walking down Walmart one day, and I, or the parking lot at Walmart or Target or something, and I had some change that I had bought some stuff. Carrie had bought some things and had some cash, some change, and Ava looked at me and she said, Dad, can I have that change? I said, sure, you can have it. And then Noah's like, Dad, what are you doing? What do you mean? Why don't I get that change? And I said, son, you didn't ask for it. And I got to use a very biblical lesson. I said, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Went on my merry way, and then we're like somewhere else, and he's asking for like this big giant thing. I said, Noah, what do you mean? What do you? This is not the time to be asking for that. He said, Dad, you say you have not because you ask not. So at least I thought I'd try. At least I thought I'd give it a shot. And so we. that is... Correct, but not all the way correct. There's, there's some wisdom and some guidelines here. Let's look at James chapter 4. I want you to see this. So we've got to ask according to God's will. If you are married, you cannot ask God for another spouse. Amen? That's not God's will for you. I'm just, just telling you right now. You know, it's so funny. Divorce in churches, some, you know, some churches really you know, look down on divorce, and obviously God's pro-marriage, but they kind of make divorce the unpardonable sin, like you can never climb out of that hole. And obviously there's grace, and God's perfect desire is for you to have one wife and, you know, one husband, and, and that's it. But I heard a pastor say, now you can get forgiven of murder, and they'll put you on the stage and give you a testimony time. So instead of divorce, just kill your spouse. <laughs> it's easier to climb out of that than it is divorce in some churches. Now, I'm not advocating murder. But, um, you know, it was said of Billy Graham's wife. It was, they, they, they asked Billy Graham's wife one time. This is true. They said, Miss Graham, how do you and your husband have such a great marriage? And have you ever thought about divorce? And she looked at him and she said, never divorce, but murder a few times. Yes, but <laughs> never divorce. James chapter 4, verse 1. Those of you listening online, please, we're not advocating murder here in this house. Amen. Look at James chapter 4, verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? 
Don't they come from the evil desires that are at war within you? I love that phrasing, TC, at war within you. You know, there, there is the thing that we want to do that we don't do, and there is, there is a constant war, at least, that, that I'm facing, that I struggle with, to, to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the, the flesh. And how many of you would agree, at times, there is a war within you? What do I do in this situation, and how do I handle this? Notice here in verse 2, you want what you don't have, you scheme to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it. Yet you don't have what you need. You're not even having what you want because you don't ask God for it. In other words, you're, you have not because you ask not. Now, obviously, this person's heart is not right. You know what's interesting here? Who's James writing to? This is his church people. Thank God I don't pastor his church. Amen. I don't know if I could put up with that. But look at verse 3. And even when you ask, you don't receive it because your motives are all wrong. When we ask God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When we're praying this way, we're laying down our motives. We're laying down our desires. Now, does God want to bless you and give you things that you want and give you things you desire? Yes. There's been so many times, Jared, that I have received things from the Lord and I've just thought about it. I've thought, I'd like to have this or I'd like to do this. And people just bless me with things. And God knows that. And there'll be times that I'll be thinking about. Uh, that just a couple of weeks ago, I really wanted to take my son to a Tennessee game. Uh, but it's like $100 every time you go to a Tennessee game. And that's if you have terrible seats. You have to pay parking, and then he eats like a teenager. I mean, dear, is that what they pay me to go? No, it costs like $100. It costs me, costs me like $100 to go. Yeah, every time you, you know, every time. And then I was wanting to go, and we were looking at tickets, and, and I had thought and talked to Tara, I'd like to take Noah to a UT game this year. And then out of the blue, I really put it off and forgot about it and kind of just set it aside. And then out of the blue, I had a family member send us a text. And she said, I've got two free tickets to this game this weekend. Do you want to go? And I looked at the Lord and I said, thank you. Thank you. It was a desire in my heart, something I wanted to do. And then God gave me that. It happens to me all the time. But in this passage, what this is saying is that but now there are th sometimes we ask for things, and, and I'll tell you that because God does want to give you the desires of your heart. I'm not busting that bubble. But all of our prayer life cannot be about you and your desires. My entire prayer life for the week couldn't be about how I wanted to go to the Tennessee game. There's more important things to pray about. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so you've got to have the right heart and the right motive. Even when you ask, you don't receive, you don't get it because your motives are not right. It's a heart thing. You want only what you are going to get so it can give you pleasure. And so we, when we ask, it's okay to ask. But let's ask according to His will, which is His word, and let's ask according to His kingdom. And the closer I get to God, the more He will replace my desires. So let's look at the third thing that I want to talk about today. And this is a little bit controversial, and I understand that. So I know I'm taking a risk at sharing this, but this is just my conviction. This is the way I understand the Scriptures. Number three, in this passage from Jesus teaching us to pray, it tells me that God's will is not automatically accomplished. People sometimes think, well, if it's God's will, it's just going to happen. 
If, it's God, if God wants it, then it's just going to work out that way. Ladies and gentlemen, if that were the case, then Jesus wouldn't have taught the disciples to pray this way, to ask thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what I don't understand. I wouldn't have done this if I were God. I don't understand this. I don't know why in my sovereignty, as the supreme ruler of the universe, as the creator of everything, I would never give little humans the ability to affect my will and influence my kingdom. But God somehow, in some reason, in his sovereignty, he allows our prayers to affect his will in the earth. Some reason God chose to let our prayers affect his kingdom and his will in the earth. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Meaning if we're not praying the kingdom come, we may not see the kingdom in our life. It's a prayer of sacrifice and surrender. Putting down my will and I'm going to do your will. Some people say, well, if God wants it to happen, it's just going to happen that way. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God is supreme, but He's given us the ability to influence and direct His will and His kingdom in the earth. Let me give you some examples in the Bible so that you see that I'm not just making stuff up. Turn with me to Acts 14. I want you to see this. Let's read verse 19, and then we'll pause and, and, and talk through some things. So Paul is preaching in a city, and they're having great revival. And he's preaching against Judaism. He's preaching against the Jewish religion, saying there's a better way. And look what happens in verse 19. So some of the Jews came from Antioch. They heard that Paul was stirring up trouble, causing riots, turning people from years of Judaism and history. And they arrived from Antioch and Iconium, and they won the crowds to their side. I mean, anytime there's a move of God, Satan always sends opposition. Anytime there's a revival and a move of God, Satan always sends opposition. Notice this here. They stoned Paul and they dragged him out of the city thinking that he was dead. Now stay right here on this first, Jared. So I want you to see what's happening here. Paul's preaching the gospel and they don't like it. So they stone Paul to death, I believe, to death. And then they drag him out of the city as though he were dead. Why would they take him out of the city? Because that's what they did to the dead people. Have you know dead people stink? Have you know dead people can cause and carry disease? So the custom of the day was when someone died, they would take them out of the city to keep the city clean, keep the smell down, keep disease down. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my conviction, I'll find out when we get in heaven, but it's my conviction Paul was dead. Or they would have kept stoning him. You don't just stone somebody to injure them. You stone them to kill them. Personally, I believe Paul was dead. So what if the disciples started notifying his next of kin? Paul's dead. They drug him out, left him as though he were dead. What if, what if the disciples began to call the funeral homes and began to make arrangements for his funeral? What if they called the chaplain department and they said, hey, we need you to go with us and tell his aunts and uncles and, and Paul's dead. What if they began to think about life without Paul? What if they accepted what had just happened? Was it God's will for Paul to die in this untimely manner? No. But Paul is dead. He's gone. Is it God's will for Paul to die this way? Let's check it out in the next verse. So look what happened. So something happened with these disciples. Look at verse 20. So as the believers gathered around him, what were they doing? Praying. I believe it. I believe they were gathering around him, laying hands on him. I can see him kneeling down and just praying and weeping over his body. 
So the believers gather around Paul. I believe inferred in the text. Pray. And it says he got up. Look at your neighbor and say, he got up. Come on, say it like good old church people. He got up. And he got up. Can you imagine? I bet they really didn't believe it when they're praying over him. Now, nonetheless, he was so injured that he couldn't move. They drug him out. And he stands up. Look at the boldness of this guy. Or stupidity, either one. He went back into the town. Could you imagine bumping into him and the Kroger? Wait, aren't you the guy that we just, we just killed you? What are you doing here? <laughs> he, you don't stay dead, do you? He got up. So here's, here's, here's what I want you to see. The next day he went to Derby. How I many you know that's the place in Kentucky? Praise God. Look at verse 21. Look at verse 21. After preaching the good news in Derby, it says he made many disciples. And it says, Paul and Barnabas went on down, named some cities. Look at verse 22. So he's going to another city. Look what happened in verse 22. The Bible declares that the church was strengthened. They encouraged them to continue in the faith. And he reminded them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So it was God's absolute perfect will for the, di- for the disciples and the believers in Derby to be encouraged and strengthened. It was God's will for the churches to be multiplied. It's, that was God's ultimate will. But it was short-circuited because Paul is left for dead outside of a city. But the believers prayed. God used those believers to bring about His ultimate will in the earth. God used those believers to bring about His kingdom in the earth. Imagine Jesus and the disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee. I can see it now. I can see Jesus saying, boys, I'm a little tired. I'm going to go down and take a nap. And as he's sleeping, this tremendous storm arises. Now, this was no ordinary storm. What were most of the disciples before they met Jesus? They were fishermen. They grew up on the Sea of Galilee. They'd been through every storm imaginable. They didn't have fear. They weren't afraid. This was a normal thing for them. But something was different about this storm. I can see the winds coming and the waves. and I can see the disciples taking buckets and trying to get the water out. I think it looks something like this. I want you to see this short clip. I believe this will give you a visual of what was happening that day on the Sea of Galilee. Check this out. One day, Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. And as they were sailing, he fell asleep.
Where is your faith? So he rebuked them for not having faith, and then he rebuked them for waking him up from his nap. That's what's in the original Greek language. Well, you boys waking me. Was it God's will for the, the disciples, the apostles, to die an untimely death? Was it God's will for the disciples to perish at the hands of this storm and to die in this grave of water? Absolutely not. But in the natural, that's what was happening. They were afraid for their life and afraid for what was happening to them. But Jesus imposed the perfect will of God into the situation. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to bear in what looked like a very dire situation. Can you say amen? If Jesus weren't in the boat, honestly, the disciples would have probably perished. But that wasn't God's perfect will. Jesus brought God's will to the earth. And then Jesus taught the disciples, when you pray, pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What about 2 Peter 3 in verse 9? Look at 2 Peter 3, 9 concerning God's will. It says, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. It is not His will. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent. In those original language, the word desire and want and, and is, there, is actually the word will, can be translated will. It's not God's will that any should perish. How many of you would raise your hand and, and agree it is not God's will for any to perish and any to die apart from salvation. But how many people die every day apart from God? How many people spend eternity separated from their Lord? But it's not God's will. Because God's will does not automatically happen. We, now, it's all through grace. I'm not saying that we're just this big thing and we can bring God. It's all through grace. We can't earn it, deserve it. We can't work for it. But can you see through these passages that God has a perfect will and then God also has what the Hebrew language describes as a permissive will and then Jesus gave us the authority through our prayers to bring the will of God and the kingdom of God into our situation on the earth. Isn't that good news? Second Chronicles 7, If my people pray. I will hear from heaven. I will heal their land. I will forgive their sins. How many of you would agree that it's God's will to hear from heaven? It's God's will to heal our land. But he says, if, 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 if my people pray, then I will hear from heaven and they will seek my face. Yes, it's God's will to turn from wicked. Yes, it's God's will to bring healing to our land, but it's conditional. It's if your prayers can bring to bear the will of God and the kingdom of God in the earth. Amen? Say this to me. Say, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, in my life, like it is in heaven. Last scripture in this section is 1 John 5, 14. 1 John 5, 14. Is this helping anybody today? Amen. This is the confidence that we have. God wants you to pray and ask with confidence. Because this is a confidence that we have before Him. If we ask anything according to His will, then He hears us. And it goes on to say, we know if He hears us that we have what we ask, and we know we have the requests that we've made of Him. This is the confidence I have if I ask anything according to His will. Not my will, but His will. What is His will? It's in the book. If I tell Brooke and Tyler, hey, we're going to lunch today, what is my will for them. That's not a secret a trick question. <laughs> my will is to go to lunch with them today. How do they know my will? Because I said it. 
Is God a man that he should lie? No. God doesn't lie. God is truth. His will is in his word. And we can take that. Number four, last one. We'll close this up today. So not only are we talking about our Heavenly Father wants us to ask, and then He wants us to filter the asking through God's will. And then we want to understand that God's will doesn't automatically happen. Number four, and the last one is, have you given the King dominion in your life? Really, the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, is really a prayer of surrender, and it's a prayer of sacrifice. We, we don't talk a lot about surrender in church today. We don't talk a lot about sacrifice. Because to make someone king, they, they, there's a difference between Jesus being your Savior and Jesus being your Lord. Every single, now, you don't get saved every day, so don't, you know, I'm not talking about that. I believe in eternal security. It's another topic for another day. You don't get saved every day. But every single day, I make Jesus Lord. Every single day when I wake up, Susan, I decide, am I going to live under the king's authority today? Remember what kingdom means? King's dominion? Every single day, God will not take lordship in my life. I give it to him. Every day I wake up and say, I'm going to submit to God today. Every day I wake up, I'm going to make Jesus Lord of my life. Yes, he's Savior, but I'm going to make him Lord. Jesus prayed in the garden. He's about to be crucified. And Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done, not mine. Even Jesus surrendered his will to the Father. You know, I'm a citizen of one of two kingdoms. The Bible talks about two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness, and then there's the kingdom of light. There's the kingdom of Satan, then there's the kingdom of God. You are a citizen of one of two kingdoms. Which kingdom are you in today? If you're in God's kingdom, the king has authority. And the king delegates authority. We're standing in a place of delegated authority. It is now my responsibility to use the authority the king has given me to bring his will to the earth, to bring his dominion to the earth. But ladies and gentlemen, there can only be one king in your life. There can only be one king. If Jesus is not king of all, he's not king at all. There can only be one king. Anything else in your life that you hold more dear than you hold God is king. That's why Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done. When I pray that, and I pray that, if you pray that on a daily basis, what you're saying is, Lord, nobody else is king today, only you. It's a prayer of commitment. Because Matthew 6.24 says this. Look at Matthew 6.24. No one can serve two masters. No one can have two kings. It's either King Jesus or King World. It's either King Jesus or King Self. It's either King Jesus or King Success. It's either King Jesus or King Finances. It's not either or. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. And in context, he's saying you can't serve God and money. So my question to you, is God second in any area of your life? When, when, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, yes, he's saying impose God's will. Yes, impose God's kingdom. But what he's really saying too is every single day, Pray a prayer of surrender and sacrifice so Jesus can be king in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you that you love us and that you're so good and that you want to meet with us today.
Thank you, Father, for all the folks that have come to hear your word. And we just give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed for just a second? Let me, let me talk to you personally now. We've been preaching today about the kingdom of heaven. Let me just talk to your heart one-on-one for just a second. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to God, our Father, our King. He's a great King. He loves you. Maybe you're in the valley of decision. Maybe you, you are hanging around Jesus, hanging around godly people, but yet you've never made Jesus King. You know, there are two thieves on the cross with Jesus when he was crucified. Jesus was in the middle. The thief on the, on the left rejected Jesus and made fun of Jesus and mocked him as king. Jesus was called the king of the Jews. And the other thief, I think, was on maybe on the right, the other thief on the other side. He said, Father, would you remember me in paradise? And Jesus said, yes, this day you will be with me in paradise. Both men were around Jesus. If you will, both men were hanging around Jesus. But one chose to have his name written in the book of life, and one chose to have his name written in the book of the wicked. And so you may be in here this morning and you have a decision to make. Is Jesus going to be king of my life or am I going to live for self? Am I going to live for pleasure? Am I going to live for my own gain or am I going to surrender and make Jesus my king? I want us to all pray this together. I'm going to pray it out loud with you. I'm going to give you words to pray and I ask you just put your heart with it. Just put your heart and faith behind it. Say this with me out loud if you can. Say, Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending Jesus. I receive his free gift. I make a choice today to set you as king of my life. I confess that I'm a sinner and I ask you for your grace. Jesus, come and be my Lord. I turn to you. Sin and Satan, I turn my back on you and I receive the free gift of grace. I receive forgiveness for my sin. I will now be called a friend of God. I'm no longer going to be an enemy of God. I'm born again today. In Jesus' name. Now, if you meant that with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you meant that today for the very first time, you've never connected that prayer, never made Jesus king of your life, would you just slip up your hand so we can know and agree with you and be praying over you? Yeah, amen. we got a sweet little girl that has done that today. Anybody else say, I'm making Jesus king of my life today? Amen. Keep your head bowed for just a second. What in your life are you asking God for? Where do you need to see the kingdom of heaven come to bear in your life? What situation do you need the will of God to be done? Ask of the Lord. Bring your petitions to Him. He will never cast you out and push you away. You can ask God. What areas do you need to surrender kingship to the Lord in? What areas do you need to lay down and let let the Lord put His wills and desires in your heart and take out just your desires? Would you take a moment and pray through that? Take a moment and give that to the Lord. Lord, we lay it all down. We want you to be the king of our life. Father, help these dear people this morning surrender everything to you. God, what desires need to go? Do we need to push down? Lord, would you replace them with your desires? Lord, I pray your kingdom be manifested in their life. God, as they're asking and seeking and knocking, answer. 
Lord, that you may be glorified. Your kingdom come in their life. Your will be done in their life. Just as it is in heaven. Peace. God, let your peace. Somebody right now is receiving just peace. Peace, peace, peace. Like a thousand pound weights being lifted off of you now in Jesus' name. Fear of the future. Fear of the future. You have, you have maybe somebody in this room has not just a fear or anxiety, but you have night sweats and you can't sleep and you, it's always on your mind, the fear of the future. I, I've sensed this morning the Lord saying, give that to me, rest in me, and you'll have the best night's sleep tonight that you've had in months because you do not have to bear that burden. The Bible says, let me give you a word, that the steps of the righteous are ordered. And as long as you're seeking God and your heart is right, your steps are ordered and you will walk in the steps. The Bible talks about a straight path, not a crooked path, but a straight path. So you don't have to frantic and fret. And I believe that it is of the enemy. You feel like it's an attack and an assault on your mind. Worry, 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 worry. The Lord says, give that to me. I know your future from the beginning. I wrote your beginning from the ending. I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. Give it to me. Give it to me. Amen. Would you just lift your hands in this place and just thank the Lord. Lord, we surrender to you this morning. Help us, Holy Spirit. What do we do with this message? What do I do in response to this message? Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We sure love you. Praise God for you. Come on, can we give the Lord praise this morning? Come on.